Well, good morning, Grace Church. Oh, come on. Good morning, Grace Church. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? All right. As you're making your way in to the sanctuary, I do want to just say how glad we are to see everybody. Most of you have been on campus this morning at various classroom settings or Bible study sessions, and I know that already you've been blessed by being here, but the best is yet to come. And we are looking forward to what God is going to do in this service today. So welcome. We're glad you're here on live stream, Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us today. Two things I want to remind you of, and then we're going to get started worshiping the Lord. Connect group leaders, don't forget we have a meeting tonight at 6 o'clock over in the Alexander Center. And uh, if you, this means if you signed up at Grand Central the other night to be a connect group leader, this is you, 6 o'clock. But even if you didn't sign up and you want to come check it out and see what it's all about and you're thinking maybe you would like to be a Connect Group leader if you had more information, tonight is your night. We want you to come and be a part of it. So make a note of that. We're going to have a great time. I can't wait to launch Connect Groups. I believe that God, amen, amen. I believe God's got some great things ahead of us in the fall semester and it's going to come partially or in a large part through connect groups. Uh, last thing I want to remind you of, Mother's Memorial offering deadline is July 22nd. Please get your offering in by July 22nd to apply to Mother's Memorial, and you will be blessed for that. Let's stand together if you would. Now, I'm ready to worship the Lord. Are you ready to worship the Lord? Amen. We've been at four weeks of camps, kids camp, junior camp, senior camp, camp meeting. And as it happened, our lesson today in the adult Sunday school class was on praise and worship. So I'm ready to go. I hope you're ready to go too. But if you're not, let me just kind of help you here for just a minute. They had a youth service at Pentecostals of Alexandria Thursday night of camp meeting. All State Youth Choir sang in that session. And that first song they sang, uh, there's a part of it that says, Why can't I praise him? as loud as I want. Pastor, I thought about those, the message you preached where David and Solomon said, it can't get loud enough, it, you know, it can't, and it was along that line. But there's something about it. So when they say, why can't I praise him as loud as I want? And then the guitar that just kind of gets this, this grungy sound, and it's almost like a dare. It's like, I dare you to praise God. And so something kind of comes over you and you're like, ain't nothing stopping me from praising God. Amen. But this is the thing. I was thinking about this. The question really isn't, why can't I praise him as loud as I want? You really just take the five, the first five words. Why can't I praise him? Why can't you ask your neighbor, say, why can't you praise him? You know, some, some people say, well, if you knew the kind of week I'd had this week, I just can't praise him. If you knew the, the clutter in my head, the mentality I've brought into this place, I just can't praise it. Somebody might be thinking, if you knew who was sitting next to me, they haven't praised God in 30 years. How can I praise him? Well, let me just remind you this morning, and I'm done, and we're going to praise God. Psalm 150, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. There is no reason why you and I can't praise God today. I don't care who you are, what you brought into this place. If you're breathing, you can praise God today. Come on, praise team. Come on, Grace Church. 
Let's praise God in this house today. God bless you.
seat. Let me ask somebody, has he ever made a way for anybody here today? When there was seemingly no way, he made a way for you and your family. I thank God today for the miracle-working power of God. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Praise God. Well, you can be seated for a moment. We're going to turn to the Word of God. Thank you again, praise team, for doing such an amazing, phenomenal job today in taking us to the throne of God. And I believe the platform has been set for the preaching of the Word of God today, but we have some pretty exciting things to, well, some really exciting things to share with you here today. First of all, we would like to welcome, I suppose, Grace Church's newest member, that is, we welcome Willow Grace here today. That is Chris and Hannah Lewis's little baby girl who was born this past week. Thank the Lord. We welcome Willow Grace. And uh, there's a beautiful story behind this name. And uh, I'm sure that Chris and or Hannah would be happy to share it with you. It's a tremendous story, very intentional, uh, naming her Willow Grace. She is their fifth child. Has four brothers to cope with, or shall I say, her four brothers have her to cope with. The, the the last child, the baby, a girl. God bless those four boys. They're going to have to give way to what she wants. I know because I've lived a very similar life, having five boys in my family and one sister. I know how that works. So we're very excited. I would like to share with Hannah and Chris that the number five represents grace in the Bible. And uh, that's a very interesting thing to me. And uh, also today, we're so thankful to actually have had uh, Kaylee Dubrock coming to church with Miss Laney and uh, uh, with Darren and his family. And uh, we're just been real excited having her attend Grace Church and uh, very thankful that she loves it and uh, she comes every chance she gets. She's here and uh, she loves it and we love her and very thankful that she's uh, becoming a part of Grace Church and uh, at youth camp, actually I believe was it, wasn't it kids camp? Uh, at kids camp, kids under her age. She was at that youth camp working. And uh, on Wednesday night, June the 8th, God beautifully filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we're excited about that. And, uh, I believe that, I believe God will fill anybody with the Holy Ghost. The Bible said, whosoever will, uh, let him come and what have you. But uh, sometimes you just feel like that God reaches into certain circumstances and reaches in through the events that happen in people's lives and, and you kind of get this feeling sometimes that God really would like to set this person aside and use them for something special and I believe Kaylee is one of those people and uh, right now she is a huge link between her and her family and who knows who else and uh, would you keep her in your prayers that God would keep his hand on her and uh, keep her in the palm of his hand thank the Lord we have a certificate sweetie that you received the Holy Ghost 
on Wednesday night, June the 8th. Not that you'll ever forget that, but in case you do, here's a little reminder. You keep that, and it'll be a blessing to you in years to come. God bless you, Kaylee. Let's give her some appreciation one more time. Thank the Lord. And uh, before I have you stand again for the reading of the word of the Lord, I felt really inspired this morning to do what I'm about to do. And uh, once in a while, we come to the pulpit to give people groups, different groups of people, different people in our church accolades to give them honor where honor is due. And uh, I want to extend that this morning to our amazing church office manager, Sister Sheila Landry, her wonderful husband, Mike. They are tremendous people. Yes, they are. And uh, they've made a tremendous impact in this church and their work and service here at Grace Church is just, it's invaluable. And I'm so thankful for them and for what they do and uh, all the things that they bring to Grace Church. Thank you guys very much. Love y'all deeply. Would you stand with me this morning in honor to the Word of God as we call your attention to the Word of God? <clears throat> I want to read today from Jeremy, uh, I didn't know. He just said God, he was prayed for, and God just healed him. Thank the Lord. the Lord Church. I was singing in the back if y'all didn't know because uh, this week I, I tore my calf muscle in my right leg and it's been excruciating pain just to walk um, and I've not been able to stretch my leg out not been able to put full weight on it and um, I told Jason two days ago God was slowing me down and um, I told Brother Dave Friday, I believe. I said, well, maybe. I said, well, let me stop that. I'm not going to say maybe. God's going to heal me Sunday. <laughs> and, uh, I believe that he is my healer. And uh, I'm standing on it. I'm walking on it. I can extend it. I can move it. There's no pain. So. Let's praise the Lord for that. subject here this morning. Sister Wanda Riddick walked in last Sunday and had a something medically diagnosed with her ankle and was facing surgery. And I believe it was Brother Ben that told her in the, the lobby 
before church, we'll pray for you, and we'll believe God will heal you. They prayed for her last Sunday right over there, and God healed her, and her ankle is new. Praise God. So, when you come to church expecting, when you come to church expecting things to happen, things have a tendency to happen. Thank the Lord. Two miracles in a week, and I'm very thankful. So very thankful, and we're rejoicing. I believe God is posturing our church right now for a mighty, tremendous outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I do. It's here. It's here. The ball's on our court. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jeremy, and we're rejoicing with you. Thank the Lord. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 6. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made and he sent forth a raven which went to and fro everybody say to and fro went to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground but the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot and she returned unto him into the ark for the waters were on the face of the whole earth and he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark beautiful words and he stayed yet another seven days and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark and the dove came into him in the evening and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet another seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him anymore. I want to preach to you for a little while about doves and ravens. Doves and ravens. Are you thankful for the word of God today? Thank the Lord. Thank you for standing, and you may be seated. Thank the Lord. When you study Genesis chapter 1, verse, uh, Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 11, there are so many questions that you will want to ask, but the answers are few. There are so many things that we just don't understand in Genesis 1 through 11 that part of the Bible which is called the antediluvian world. So we will focus on our text today, the story of Noah, the ark, and two birds. How long did it take Noah to build the ark? How old was Noah when he built the ark? How old was Noah when the flood occurred? Before we tackle those questions, we can cover a little background information about this incredibly fascinating man and the incredible feat that he accomplished. Noah was born in 2928 BC, perhaps around a thousand years after Adam. Noah was 480 years old when God called on him to build the ark to save the animals. And God commanded uh, what he would, God commanded him to build the ark 
that would ultimately save his immediate family. The book of Genesis reveals that God wanted to bring a great flood because humanity had completely and totally set their hearts to do evil all of the time. The Bible said that they did think and do evil continually. He gave man 120 years to live when he commanded Noah about building the ark. That is a very important statement to pay attention to. In 2328 B.C., the year of the flood, Noah was 600 years old. And according to Hebrews chapter 11, he was a, an absolute tremendous man of faith who walked with God, meaning that he obeyed God. He obeyed God's commandments and who would live a long life of some 950 years. It was because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord that God chose him to build an ark. Is that a quality that people have to have that want to build churches? I didn't mean for that to be such an unsettling question causing such silence in the building, but I believe it is a tremendous attribute for anybody that wants to be a, a part of church building to be able to find grace in the eyes of God. And if you can't find grace in the eyes of God, your effort in building a church is pretty much in vain. Amen. Everybody said amen. amen. God chose him. Because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord to build an ark to save human life and to save animals from ultimate extinction. The ark not only was it the biggest ship built to that time, but it is believed to be the largest sailing vessel that man would construct until the 1800s. The ark displaced at a draw of 15 cubits, more than 22,000 tons of water. God told Noah to build an ark that would have over 101,000 square feet of floor space. And because it was built on a 1 to 6 ratio, 50 cubits wide, 300 cubits long, modern naval architecture reveals that that is the most stable uh, an ocean-going vessel can be, meaning that it is almost impossible for the ark to turn over or to tip over. In regard to the length of time it took to complete the ark Noah worked on, there is nowhere in Scripture that supports it taking 120 years to construct it. This span of time was the period God allowed mankind to live from the time he made his judgment concerning the flood until the flood actually occurred and happened according to Genesis 6, 1 through 3. So God had set a specific time limit before any penalty would occur in order to give the human race a chance to repent. This principle is used repeatedly, such as when Nineveh was given a period of time to repent before any judgment was rendered 
on them. This time span allowed the ways of righteousness to be preached like what Noah did while the construction of the ark was going on. God gave Noah the dimensions for the ark in cubits. And this is how you shall make it, God said. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. It's width, width 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. It is believed that a cubit is the length of a man's arm from his elbow to the tip of his middle finger, approximately 16 inches. So the ark ended up being approximately 510 feet long. It would take nearly uh, one and a half football fields to equal the ark in length. That's big enough that NASA could lay three space shuttles from nose to tail on top of the ark's roof. The roof of Noah's ark was more than 50 feet from the ground higher than a modern four-story structure. That's plenty of space for the extra tall inner decks as the Bible describes. The ark had the same storage capacity as about 450 standard semi-truck trailers. A standard livestock trailer holds about 250 sheep. So the ark had the capacity to hold at least 120,000 sheep. Over 3.1 million board feet of timber were used in the construction of the ark. A board foot is 12 inches by 12 inches by 1 inch thick. So in board feet laid end to end, that is about 612 miles of lumber that was put into the ark. God gave Noah three requirements that animals uh, had to have to be allowed on the ark. They had to be air-breathing, terrestrial, or land-based. And they had to be capable of interbreeding. Furthermore, all of those that qualified for inclusion on the ark, seven pairs of every beast that was considered clean, and only one pair... Uh, or only two or one pair of every animal considered unclean was to be taken into the ark that included seven pairs of birds. The biblical criteria, as most of you know, for identifying whether an animal was clean, that is, fit for human consumption and also to be sacrificed later, or unclean, that would be detrimental to man's health if consumed, is found in Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14. I'm taking you through this to get you on a wavelength with me for what I'm about to preach. And I am glad that where Noah's choice following God's command for clean and unclean animals, that was continued in the law of Moses, but it was done away with in the New Testament. Thank God for that. Because you couldn't eat pork, you couldn't eat crawfish, you couldn't eat catfish. And what in the world would we eat here in South Louisiana had that continued? Amen. God is merciful. And surely somebody in the book of Acts had some future progeny, whatever, that was going to end up in South Louisiana. And God smiled and said, I'm going to take away that law so you people can enjoy some mighty good eating. 
animals in this category of clean animals. Clean animals were warm-blooded animals that had both split hooves and chews a cud is considered a clean animal according to Leviticus 11.3, Deuteronomy 14.6. Animals in this category would include cattle, deer, goats, and many others. Those that do not have a split hoof and do not chew a cud are designated unclean, such as a pig, and so on. Why did God require seven of the clean and only two of the unclean animals? It is because those considered clean could be used for food later and therefore it was important to have extra breeding stock, obviously. They could also potentially be offered to God in sacrifice under what would become the law of Moses later on in the Old Testament. I could go on and on. It is interesting to me. Everybody listen close. It's interesting to me that God allowed clean and unclean animals and birds into the ark. There's an awesome typology here. In other words, one does not have to be perfect to be in the ark. You can come to the ark just like you are. Thought I'd get another amen or two. All that was required of the animals is that you enter into the ark when God commands you to. I thought that'd get some more amens. They just needed to obey when given the invitation to come in. I cannot stress enough here this morning that God wanted to destroy all the inhabitants, humans, animals, birds, fish, everything. God wanted to completely destroy all the inhabitants of the earth. But Noah, one man, found grace. One man found unmerited favor. God gave all of creation a second chance because of it. I want to say again, one of the most front row, front seat qualities you can have when you want to help build this church is to understand unmerited favor. Nobody here today is perfect. We're all here today because of the grace of God. That deserves some appreciation to the Lord. You can be as holy as you feel like you can be, but it still does not supersede nor take the place of the grace of God. Being holy unto the Lord should not create in us an arrogant spirit, a self-centered spirit, an entitled spirit. It should create within us a deep, heartfelt appreciation for the grace of Almighty God. Anybody can come into the ark. Hallelujah. I could stop and preach an hour on a lot of these points, but I have to keep going. Notice that the ark was huge. Some writes, some writers estimate that even after all was said and done and everybody was in the ark, that it was only about 
30% full. Let me suggest here today that there was plenty of room for everyone. And perhaps the remaining 70% was designated for humanity had they chosen to accept God's invitation. Man, I want to just stop and preach here so bad, but I have to keep going. It is also apparent to me that everyone that ultimately ended up on the ark was treated the same. Everyone was extended the same mercy, the same kindness, and the same grace. When the flood was finally over, you don't really hear anyone exiting the ark complaining about the way they were treated. There were no bad attitudes, no complaining. The conditions, the requirements, the expectations may not have always been the best, but they made it. They survived it. They lived through it. So the ark was a pretty cool place to be in when you considered what was going on outside. I want to say today with all of my heart, knowing what I know about what's going on outside of the church of Almighty God, I'm so glad to be here. I don't know what to do. I'm glad to be in a place of safety, a place of comfort, a place of peace. I'm glad to be in a place where I know where I'm going. I'm glad to be in a place where I know how all this is going to end up. I'm glad I'm in the hands of God today. I'm glad God has the church in his arms. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. They all survived. Everybody say all. Everybody say everybody. Can you imagine all the personalities that was on that ark in the form of those animals? They all had to be kept separated and in their rightful place and all that kind of stuff. It was all fitly framed together. But with all the personalities and all the attitudes and, and all the frustration and, and being impatient and all that, they all survived this most awful time of judgment that the world had ever experienced. Everybody listen to pastor. Notice the screen. It did not matter what the future purpose of the animal would be, clean or unclean, big, small, short, or tall. They were all worthy recipients of the grace of God. They were all welcome. They were all accepted. And where things may not have been perfect, they all made it. But as soon as things got a little bit better outside, the raven apparently was happy and anxious to be the first one out. So what about doves and ravens? Of all the animals that were on the ark, why 
were the raven and dove turned loose first? Why was the raven turned loose before the dove? We understand that they were both turned loose and sent out to find dry land. But why the two different birds? Couldn't one determine that? I believe there was a reason. I believe there's a reason Noah chose the raven first. I believe there's a reason he chose the raven, period. I believe there's a reason he chose the dove. Even though the ark was probably not the most appealing place to call home at that time, I hope everybody's listening. I hope everybody's understanding the typology. I don't have time this morning to preach this whole thing like I'd like to. But even though the ark was probably not the most appealing place to call home, because you see in the ark, they were completely and totally separated from what was going on outside. That was the only ark on the earth. Y'all get it or do I need to keep preaching it? I need to go on. But it was the only ark on the planet. And the only thing that was going to survive. The ark was not designed for you to walk in and out at your convenience. Once you came in, the idea was you to stay there until God opened the door for your exit. Amen. So even though the ark was probably not the most appealing place, there's just too many rules, too many restrictions. Too many you have tos and too many you can't do that. Couldn't put a sheep in the same cage with a tiger, obviously. So the tiger had to do without. Too many rules. But it was the only place that you could be that would allow you to survive. I hope everybody's hearing that. Work things out on your own as you may but you're not going to survive unless you're in the church. So both birds had the opportunity over everyone else to determine what the world was like. Both birds had the very first opportunity over everyone else on that ark to determine what this new world was like and where they would ultimately choose to nest and raise their young. I want to repeat it again. Notice the screen. It did not matter what the future purpose of the animal would be, clean or unclean, big, small, short, tall. They were all recipients of the grace of God. They were all welcome and accepted. And where things may not have been perfect, they all made it. But as soon as things got a little better outside, the raven apparently was very happy and anxious to be the first one to get out. Maybe to the raven, the ark had lost its appeal. Yes, it was a place of safety for a while, but things were seemingly better outside now than they are inside the ark. The rain, the thunder, the lightning has stopped. The sun was shining. What you have to remember 
about the raven based on its nature that we know now. The atmosphere outside was far more appealing than the atmosphere inside the ark. The raven was drawn to the bloated, rotting, waterlogged flesh of all the dead animals, all the dead humans. To him, that was a delicacy. All the stuff in the ark was nonsense and foolishness, and I'm tired of eating bird seed. I'm tired of just this stuff that only Noah can provide. I'm tired of what only the ark can provide. What the raven doesn't understand is what was on the ark was God's divine provision. And it was able to sustain him through a flood and for the rest of his life, no matter what he was going to do, no matter what his plans were. The stench, the decay, the decomposing flesh looked so appealing to him. The nature of the raven craves this kind of thing. It didn't matter that he had just been a recipient. It didn't matter that he had just been a recipient of the amazing, immeasurable grace of God. It didn't matter to the raven that he had just been protected by divine plan. He was chosen by God to be on that ark. It didn't matter that he had just been fed and cared for by God's amazing provision. When he, he was... He was not impacted. He was not changed. He couldn't be changed enough, if you will, by the only family on the planet that was chosen to build the ark, to obey God's plan, to partake in all the things that God had provided. No, the nature of the raven doesn't change no matter what the environment in the church is like. He has an inherent desire for anything and everything that's outside of the ark. No matter how awful, no matter how despicable it is, that's what the raven wants. The raven represents people who knows very well what the ark is, what it represents, what it stands for. The raven is a type of people who fails to value the security the salvation, the divine protection, the grace, the understanding, the patience that the ark provides. The raven is okay with the ark. Listen to pastor. The raven is okay with the ark as long as things outside are worse than what's inside. The raven chooses the ark when their marriage is in trouble, when their kids are in trouble, when their lives are in trouble. When there's been tragedy in their life, yes, I'll stay in the ark. But as soon as that passes over, I want to get back outside where real living is, where real worldliness is. I want to preach to somebody here today. We need an attitude, have to have an attitude of gratitude. I'm thankful for the ark. And I don't care what it looks like outside. I'm far more happy in here than I could ever be out there. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Is this okay? One writer even compared the raven to the devil himself. He hates the ark. He hates being in the ark. 
He hates what's going on in the ark. It's kind of like a child who's been raised by parents who are solidly committed to God. But as soon as they get of age, as soon as they hit high school, as soon as they hit college, I'm out of here. I've seen it over and over. I've seen it all of my life. I know people in my own youth group when I was their age that's done it. I've saw it as a young married person. I saw it as a young parent. I've seen it as a parent with teenagers. I've seen it all of my life that when kids hit a certain age, it doesn't matter how committed mom and dad is. It doesn't matter how much mom and dad go to church and how much they pray. There's something on the inside of them that says, I hate it in here and I want to be outside as to what's going on out there and that's what I want. And so they make their exit. The raven has been compared to, if you will, the devil himself. That when the devil was finally kicked out of heaven, the Bible said he goes to and fro all over the earth and he has no place to put the sole of his feet, if you will. When he finally gets out, he seeks what he may devour. But what he devours does not complement his life. It doesn't add to his life. It doesn't give eternal things to his life. And when it's all said and done, he's nothing but a hopeless, lost, undone, dead, if you will, entity that God created that's going to spend eternity in an everlasting burning pit of hell. Let me preach to the ravens here today. It is, it is, it is, it is so important. It is top priority. Oh, God, help me right now. For you to come tell Noah, open that window again, I'm coming back. I want to get back in the ark. I want to get back in that place of safety. It may not be perfect, but it is absolutely the best place I can be. Let me preach to somebody here today. Our world is not getting better. Every day it's getting worse. We've got to be right with God. I'm thankful for those who choose to make the ark place of safety, an everlasting part of their lives. I'm thankful to be in the ark. I'm thankful for two rows of young people here this morning to choose to be on the ark. Just don't go stupid when you get to high school and college. Please don't do that. Just stay put, stay in the church. That's where you need to be. Most writers believe that it only took a week for Noah to realize that the raven was not coming back. He said he let the raven go, and a week later he let the dove go. It only took him a week. The raven had very quickly found its place in the world. Kind of a type of the prodigal, if you will. In the ark, in the place of safety. It would be interesting to know, had the Bible chosen to record it, how often Noah went back to that window to check and see if the raven had come back yet. It was determined when the dove was let out that there was not any dry land anywhere. And even though it just flew and flew and flew with no place to land, no place to rest its feet, it was still somehow more contented to live like that than to fly back to the ark. It's, these things are interesting. It's so interesting to me. I wonder how many times Noah went back to check and see if the raven was coming back. At some point, Noah had to give up on the return of the raven. At some point, he determined in his heart, he's not coming back. 
And if I'm going to find out whether we can make this exit or not, I'm going to have to send out something else. He would have to give up. At some point, Noah would have to give up. He would have to move on. I want to say in passing that there are families and individuals that as pastor, I don't want to give up on. I watch the back door every Sunday hoping they'll come in. There are several people. There's a number of people that I hope that on any given Sunday, they're going to make their way through that door. I'll go a little bit further and say there are still families and individuals that sit on our very nice chairs every Sunday. And I look for you in the altar every time the altars are open. I look for you to come. So week after week or day after day, Noah chooses another bird, a different bird. But this time he chooses a dove. Where the raven represents those that desire the world and sin. Those that will build their nest anywhere and raise their kids in any conditions of the world. As long as they have plenty of dying and despicable delicacies of sin and worldliness around them. But the dove is different. The dove is a type of a person with a posture and attitude of love and peace and comfort. When the dove is turned loose, it comes back when things aren't well outside. It runs to the ark of safety. She comes back when there's no place for her to rest. The dove enjoys and appreciates the value of the ark. She loves and finds solace in what the ark provides. The Bible said that Noah, when he sent forth the dove the first time and she couldn't find a place to rest the sole of her foot, the Bible said that Noah reached forth his hand. This is such an amazing picture to me. He reached forth his hand, took her, and pulled her in to himself. Isn't that what God does every time we need him? Brother Richard, I'm thankful for that kind of God. Brother Richard is around the time, the anniversary that he said goodbye to his sweet wife. And I'm glad there's an ark of peace, comfort, and safety. And every time you need the Lord, you call out to him and he extends his hand and pulls you into a place of comfort and safety. interesting to me that when the dove flies away she don't come back ridden with sin and bloated on dead flesh but she brings peace back with her she brings an olive branch brings a great attitude back with her great spirit great posture I need to keep moving in the message but as we all know even the dove eventually flies away even the dove does not return anymore. I understand why. I understand why. But there's also a principle. There's a symbolism that the Bible teaches here. Because in the absence of the dove, it does something to the ark. It does something to the inhabitants of the ark. As soon as they exit the ark, they resume their old nature. Noah took the first step in that. Yes, he was close to God at first. When he first got off the ark, he built an altar. I'm committed. I'm sold out. But being in the world, around all that bloated, rotting flesh and what have you, it did something to him. And the Bible said one chapter later in Genesis chapter 9 that he became an husbandman, means an earth man. He walked away from the ark. He himself didn't go back on the ark that we have Bible record of. 
forgot about it. He put it in his rearview mirror, if you will. So God's plan did not go as he wished. The plan did not go according to plan. The world is full of sin and wickedness again. The raven, the attitude, the spirit of the raven prevailed. Even the dove is gone. Let's fast forward as I'm bringing this to a conclusion. To Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. The dove had returned. Where the dove had flown away and disappeared in Noah's day. And you read through the entire Old Testament, it is nothing but war and bloodshed and strife and sin and horribleness. The earth again had become a haven for sin and corruption. But the dove returns. The dove is manifested in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is now on the scene. Watch this here with me this morning. Where the raven, watch this, where the raven and dove disappeared, where they were gone completely out of sight, the ark still remained. We all know here today that it is firmly believed by many, 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 many people that the ark is still lodged on the top of a mountain somewhere in the country of Turkey. The ark never went away. Peace may have left it, but the ark still remained. And even without peace, it could have sufficed as a place of safety. But God wasn't happy with that. God brought the dove back. He brought peace back. He brought reconciliation and restoration and hope back in the person of Jesus Christ. Someone wrote about the dove this morning, if you'll stand with me. There's a reason why doves have been used throughout history in the context of divine visitation. Doves are strongly connected to the spirit realm and are often sent as messengers between the spirit and physical worlds. They are strongly influenced by the flow of spiritual guidance and comfort that we need in times of trial and tribulations. Doves are a symbol of divine love flowing into your life, which is reflected in how you express truth and your own sense of self. The presence of doves make you feel as if compassion is overtaking you. They can awaken the empathetic nature in you which allows you to deeply connect with the spiritual flow that weaves us into the fabric of reality around us. Doves can open your heart, allowing you to receive love, to give love, and to recognize that even, yes, you are love. If a dove appears to you in what seems to be a coincidence, that could be the best time to tap into the rich emotional bank account that is being filled right now on your behalf. 
The writer said you may be more receptive to even creative ideas, new relationships, spiritual insights, and a desire to connect more intensely with the experiences in your life. The writer said something is waking up inside you that is wanting to love life more deeply and with more passion. You may be in a season where you're searching for more spiritual and even emotional fulfillment and are ready to plant the seeds of a new life in a new field that has been barren for so many years. Doves give you the confidence that emerges from complete peace and acceptance of self. I know here today that there are people in this building that Time's past was in the ark. But what was outside was more appealing, but it hasn't worked. Never does. Never does. Getting on the ark, if there was any particular fallacy to the plan, and I understand it, but the ark was only open once. And you only had a certain amount of time to get in it. And then when you got in it, the door was closed. But the church isn't built that way. In the book of Revelation, John wrote, Jesus said, I have set before you an open door. You can walk out anytime you want, but the door doesn't close behind you. At least not now it doesn't. Come a time when it will, but not now. The same door that you walked out of that was open for you is still open for you to come back. may be people standing on the ramp of the ark. You're looking behind you at the church. You're looking ahead of you at the world. There may be people out there that built an altar out there somewhere and you just kept going away from the altar further and further away. I want you to tell you if you'll look back. That altar's still there and that open door is still there to come back. There's people here today, you know, you know who you are. Nobody has to point a finger. Nobody has to do that. You will go look in the mirror and know. If you'll choose to be like the dove, I promise you here this morning that God will extend forth his hand, take you back into his hands, and pull you in unto himself. It's a place of safety, a place of comfort, where your life can be new, where it can be different, where your life can have hope and promise promise of a greater tomorrow than you have now. As they begin to sing softly as we do here at Grace Church, I'd like to invite everybody to come. If you're here today and would like to walk back into the ark, here at Grace Church anyway, the door is open.
want to lift up a hand. But God, here I am. I'm coming back. Would you extend your hand to me, oh God? Would you extend your hand? I want to be right with God. Outside isn't what I thought. Living outside the ark isn't what I thought it was going to be. Somebody talk to him today from the bottom of your heart. Talk to him today from your heart. Just wanna be with hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Just wanna be with you. Everybody talk to God. Come Just on, right wanna be I need everybody to talk to the Lord right now. Everybody talk to the Lord yes, right the now. World. In the name of Jesus.
Just wanna be 